This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Good morning. My name is Paul. I'm a pastor and teacher here at House on the Rock. Very glad that you're here this morning. If you're watching online, thank you for being with us this morning. I want to take out the notes that you received when you walked in. If you picked up one of those Proverbs journals over the last few weeks, you're going to kind of have that with you also. Jesus said this in John 10.10. He said, I've come that you have life. And have life abundantly. Because I've come for you to have life. And the reason is, I want that life to be an abundant life. And that word abundant is really important. It's a way of saying that something's not common. Jesus is saying, you can look around and you'll see lots of different kinds of life, but the life I'm bringing and the life I want you to experience, it's an uncommon kind of life. That's another way of saying it's an unexpected kind of life. It's a way of saying that it's overflowing. Jesus is saying, I have come that you would have an uncommon, unexpected, overflowing experience, life in me. Here's the challenge. So here I am. And Jesus is saying there's this thing over here called an abundant life. I'm here, it's there. Jesus seems to have a vision for my life. A picture of what my life could be. Uncommon, unexpected, overflowing. And truth be told, I have a vision for my life. Don't, don't and maybe you do too. Do you ever have those moments you're like, man, I see myself as a father who's a good dad. I see myself as an employer or employee, and I'm a good one. I see a kind version of myself, a compassionate, serving, engaging version of myself. You guys know I've kind of been doing this running thing for a while. I mean, clearly not very long, but... Every now and then, someone will run by and like run by. And they're like, and they're just floating. And I have this vision of myself that someday I'll be able to do that. And I'm just being, I have a picture of what I could be. But here I am. And here is this thing. And I don't know how to get from there to there. And in fact, I collide with the gap all the time. 
I collide with the reality that I'm not walking in this vision of life that Jesus seems to say is mine. What we're going to call flourishing. So if you're taking notes and you have one of those Proverbs journals or you have a message guide that's inside your notes, it's very blank. And if you open up your Proverbs journal to Proverbs chapter 1, the opposite page is blank so that we can draw some things and fill some things in together. Or if you're just filling in the message notes that you received in your guide, uh, maybe we could start putting together an image of our reality and in truth the image of the reality Proverbs has for us. But it starts out with me over here and this thing called flourishing way over here. And the way I get from there to there is what the book of Proverbs is all about. You should have received when you walked in or when you picked up a Proverbs journal a guide card that looks like this. And we're going to have someone walk around. I think it's Adam. Adam, did you get roped into this? Okay. If you don't have, it's an, it's an elder thing. It's so awesome. Just, yeah, they got to do it because they have servant hearts, so they have no choice in the matter. <laughs> uh, if you don't have one of these, receive one of these when you walked in, uh, Adam would love to give you one. This will be very helpful for you as we go through our series. They were in the Proverbs journal, so you don't need to have multiple ones. But if you don't have one, you're going to want to have one. Yeah. And what I want you to see is, let's just talk about the book of Proverbs as an introduction today. Broad strokes. Because the book of Proverbs doesn't function the way a lot of other books in your Bible do. You're used to a book that has a narrative arc to it. There's a story. And you like reading the story. So if it's one of the Gospels, say uh, the Gospel of Matthew, oh, it starts here, that makes sense, the birth of Jesus, and kind of goes through Jesus' life. It ends with Jesus' death. It goes on to Jesus' resurrection. There's an arc to it that makes sense. You read the book of Acts, there's an arc to it. Proverbs doesn't work that way. Proverbs isn't designed that way. Proverbs is a collection of wisdom scrolls that were bundled together. And in the front, I've kind of included what that structure looks like. This isn't the structure for the message series. This is the structure for the book of Proverbs. It's kind of like this steamer trunk, if you will, that weighs a ton. The kind of steamer trunk that you'd take on a long journey. It's got little sections to put little things, and it's got big sections for big things, and it's falling apart because that's what I do. And then things flip up and things get moved around and taken out. And depending on where you are in the journey, you might need to access different parts of it. That's what the book of Proverbs is like. It has a prologue, an introduction that kind of sets you up to what this book is all about. But then the first third of the book is a series of messages, kind of like outfits that might be hanging together. A series of messages from a father to a son. Hey, can we talk about this? Hey, son, can we talk about this? Any of you ever experienced one of those growing up? 
hey, we need to talk. Can we talk about this? Sure. Ten different messages on different subjects and different angles. There's a section that's called the, the Proverbs of Solomon. What you think of when you think of a proverb, these little pithy phrases. There's a section on leadership wisdom. There's a, there's a section on a guy who doesn't know what he believes. There's the, the famous Proverbs 31 woman at the end that we'll look at. And I think you'll be surprised to see what that chapter is really all about. But it has a structure. And when you understand the structure, the book then becomes a whole lot more helpful and not so frustrating. Because if you think you're just going to sit down with the book of Proverbs and crank right through it, you're going to find yourself like, oh man, what is his problem? This is terrible. No, there's a way to handle. And that's why we encourage you to pick up one of those Proverbs journals because as we go through it, as you put your notes in, and as you highlight things, as you write on things, as you put things together, it then becomes a resource for you. Because life is a journey, and you need to have a way of organizing things. And this is what the book of Proverbs offers us. So that's the book, just Proverbs. But what is a proverb itself? The book of Proverbs. What is a proverb one man said a proverb is this. It's a sentence filled to the brim with ideas. The best definition for a proverb is this. You know it when you hear it. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what? Yeah, that's a proverb. It's often a compare and contrast. It's short, it's concise. Who said that? JFK said that. One of the most famous things attributed to JFK. Where did he get it from? His speechwriter. <laughs> JFK had a headmaster at the school he went to, and the headmaster used to say this Ask not what you can do for your school, ask not what your school can do for you, but what you can do for your school. JFK then grabbed a hold of that, moved it forward. That's really, in essence, what a proverb is. It's something from the people, for the people, describing something that the people are going through. Money talks. Don't count your chicks before they hatch. Yeah. And so what, over the series of hundreds of years, in the life of Israel, the wise people begin to gather these ideas together to present a way to lead toward what's called the flourishing life. You know it when you hear it. Let me read, and would you join me? This is Proverbs chapter one. I'm gonna read just what's called the prologue. I'm gonna read verses one through nine. Nikki's gonna have verses up on the screen if you wanna follow along there. Maybe you have a Proverbs journal or maybe you have a big one like this. Maybe you're following along on your device. Proverbs 1, let me read verses 1 through 9 for you. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, 
to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. This thing is offering direction on life's journey to what Jesus said is the abundant, flourishing life. And it presents it in two aspects. There's kind of like this individual thing that it wants to offer. If you look in verse 9, it says, They are, what this is, a graceful garland for your head, crown, pendants, necklace around your neck. A picture of this flourishing life. Here's the interesting thing. That phrase, crown on the head and pendants around your neck, appear in two neat places in the Old Testament. When Joseph is moved out of prison to be the head within Pharaoh's court, it says that Pharaoh put a crown on his head and pendants around his neck. Joseph, who went from being in prison and being in chains and being in for, even forsaken and forgotten, you can imagine that kind of life, right? To the flourishing life of being number two in the greatest kingdom of the time. And Joseph would describe as having a crown on his head and pendants around his neck. That's Genesis 41. Another time is when the king came to Daniel to recognize Daniel number three in all the land. And it said that the king put a crown on his head and pendants around his neck. Unique thing about Joseph and Daniel in contrast with the majority of people in the Bible, those two guys had their stuff together. You don't read episodes where Daniel was running around with someone else's wife. Joseph was described as being a man of integrity and honesty and goodness. It's as almost as if from the beginning, the book of Proverbs is offering me the Daniel and the Joseph life. A life of influence, a life of integrity, a life of goodness, a life of promise. A life of ministry and impact. The book of Proverbs has a vision of that type of life for me. But not just for me. Of what we can be together. It says in verse 3, one of the things that this book wants to do, to receive instruction in wise dealing, and then listen to this trinity, in righteousness justice, and equity. When that trinity of words comes together in the Old Testament, it's describing the cosmic order underneath God's control. It's another way of saying life like Eden. When things are right, 
when things are just between humans, when things are equal between humans, no one's power grabbing, everyone is doing their part together. The picture of what humanity underneath God's rule and care was supposed to be. The flourishing, not just for the individual, but the flourishing for all of God's cosmic order as humans understand their place within that. It's a house within a house. God has constructed a cosmic order. They're still putting up houses near my house. When we moved to Troy six and a half years ago, we were the top end of town. We were the end of the line. It was great. I loved it. It was quiet. And it's not quiet anymore. Because it's development after development after development after development. Man, and they haul in these semis full of lumber and, and, and framing and supplies. And you'll see, oh, they dropped off another pile of supplies. They're going to build a house. It's not a house yet, is it? It's not a house yet. It's just the raw materials of a house. But in short order, the workers put a house together. That's a house, you're able to say. Proverbs is offering the architectural designs by which you can say, that's a house. It says, this is how God has designed things, and you can build a life in it. If you take out that Proverbs card again, on the back I've offered just some foundational ideas. In the same way that a house, a good house is put on a firm foundation. Interesting that Jesus picks up those words himself. Four foundational ideas, things like this, that will come at in various levels. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. We'll talk about that. Wisdom is grounded in tradition. We're going to talk about that. Wisdom discerns the whole in relation to its parts. As I look at all of this, it helps me get me. As I see how God has put things together, it guides me on how I should put things together. That to forsake one is to really curse the other. And that life is a journey with destinations and guides. Proverbs is about getting me to flourishing. Now, how do we do that? Well, Proverbs offers some ideas. This is one of the things that you need, to, you need is discerning. Let's write that down if you're drawing a map with me. Discerning. You need to discern. Nikki will have the words up. I know this is hard to see. Verse 5 and verse 8. Let the wise hear. Verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instructions. What does it mean to hear something? What does it mean to discern something? It means to recognize the one among the many. To recognize the one among the many. Let me illustrate it this way. I see I got Deb sitting over here. Deb, the twins next door? All right. So she's got, she's got a pair of sons, twins. They're over in the blasting zone. I could bring the twins in, blindfold them, have us all stand up, 
have all of us call the twins, Dylan, Dawson, could they recognize mom's voice? Absolutely. Now, sometimes Deb might not feel that way that they can recognize mom's voice, right? <laughs> moms, we, you know what that's like. Dads, you know what that's like. like. I know they know what I sound like. But if I were to bring in the twins right here and say, okay, we're all going to call you up. I want you to, you can't see, but can you tell me where mom's at? We all said Dylan. We all said Dawson. They'd be like, she's over there. Why? Because they can discern the one from the many. Uh, same thing happened yesterday. Uh, we were finishing up a soccer game. Aiden was on the other side. Uh, his team uh, had just finished up. Other teams were coming in. Parents were transitioning. And I need to ask Jackson, hey, Jackson, can you run across the field? Let Aiden know that we have his soccer ball. He left it over here. I don't want him to go looking for it. Jackson started across. Okay, chaos. Cars are going back and forth. Teams are coming on. Teams are coming off. Parents are coming on. Parents are going off. I said, hey, Jack. I didn't scream it. I didn't yell it. I said, hey, Jack. What did he do? Spun around. What? Why? Because Jackson can discern the one from the many. It says, you need to be able to hear. The wise hears and obtains guidance. Hear, my son, your father. Hear, my son, your mother. What we can call elder voices, one of these foundational ideas that wisdom is grounded in tradition. That's real important to the book of Proverbs, and that's something that we struggle with as a society. Because what do old people know? They can't even use a cell phone, they don't even know how to get on the internet. They don't know how to do this. They know how to do that. They can't, they can't operate social media. What do old people know? Newer is better. I need the newer this and the newer that because it's better. Proverbs values the opposite. It says there's wisdom in what's handed down from mother to child, from father to child from our elders to our youngers. And learning how to discern that voice and the wisdom that comes with that voice. Proverbs wants to impart that type of skill. It wants to teach you how to hear so that you can obtain guidance. Guidance for what? Guidance from where I am to the flourishing life that Jesus says I can live. To discern but it says I, I need something else. I need dis discern. I also need discipline. You could write that word on your line too. Discipline. Another skill. This whole prologue is, is noun, verb, noun, verb, verb, noun, verb, noun. To know, wisdom, to hear, knowledge. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. To know, to receive, to give, to understand, to not forsake. I mean, we could bring the twins in. It's one thing for them to discern mom. It's another thing for them to then go to mom, right? 
You can discern this is what God is saying. And that is not the same as doing what God says. How many of us understand the difference? How many of us have, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what a good spouse is supposed to do. I know what a good employee is supposed to do. But my boss is a jerk. Or my spouse was a jerk. Yes, discern. But it wants to help me to know, to receive, to give. It wants to help me understand. That through discerning and discipline, actually doing what it says, I move from where I am to the flourishing life Jesus says is abundant for me. This path is what Proverbs calls wisdom. This is wisdom. The good way. It's described later in the book. There's many words for it. Lots of ways of talking about wisdom. Here, there are any times it says wisdom, instruction, insight, wise dealings, discretion, guidance, words of the wise, riddles, instructions, teachings. These are all talking about the same thing, the way of wisdom. The way that I move along wisdom. Sometimes it's a skill. Sometimes it's content. Sometimes it's direction. Sometimes it's described as a woman. Lady wisdom. Do you know how to hear lady wisdom? And wisdom is essential. You says you cannot get from here to here without wisdom. And for some of us, that might be enough this morning. Because we feel the tension. We see the vision and we have a hard time bridging the gap from where I am to where God's calling me to be. What am I missing? Proverbs says, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need to be able to discern. You need to follow. You need to hear God's instructions. Because the challenge is, there's another path. There's another path, and it looks good in the beginning. And let's call this one folly. Folly. That term is used a lot later in the book. I just wanted to introduce it right now. But if you look at this dichotomy in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there is a path that is wisdom, but there's also a path that resists that. A foolish path. A path full of multiple types of voices. Multiple people offering guidance and instruction. Sometimes it's called the mocker. Sometimes it's called the scoffer. Sometimes it's called the strange woman. Sometimes it's called the adulteress. Sometimes it's called the fool. And the book of Proverbs says, the simple one is presented with both paths and folly lures us in. It says, hey, I've got a good path. 
and it looks good, and it feels good, and it sounds good, and it is easy. Don't go down that path. That one's hard. It's dark, and it's a struggle. Folly resists God's order, and it says, I don't need that help. That's what my parents said. That's what my grandparents said. That's the way things used to be. We've risen above it now. Humanity, we've got our stuff together, clearly. The problem with folly is that it always leads to a failed life. It always leads to a failed life. Or what I call just consequence. Just consequence. That path leads to that place. Proverbs says it again and again and again. You take wisdom and it leads to flourishing. If you follow folly, it leads to failed. It's the natural order of things. This is a moral universe, and there's a flow. And if I resist the flow, if I go against the architect's intent, if I resist his guidance and his wisdom, and I don't live the way God called me to live, it leads to a failed life. The beautiful thing about grace, you can step off the folly path and onto wisdom Anytime you want. Anytime you want. It's a big thing for the book of Proverbs. Destiny. The book of Proverbs cares a lot about destiny. Acting with the end in mind. Acting with the end in mind. If I follow that voice, it leads to that place. I don't want to go to that place, so I'm not going to follow that voice. When those foundational ideas in the back, life is a journey with destinations and guides. There's lots of guides. There's lots of people and lots of voices and lots of philosophies and lots of ideologies and lots of suggestions saying, see the world this way, act this way. Wisdom says, let me lead you here. The challenge is, they all sound pretty good in the beginning, don't they? Her words are sweet, like honey. But in the end, she leads to death. Oh yeah, if we cut some corners there in business, that makes sense. But Proverbs says, that will end to a failed life. Guides galore. You need a guide. There's lots of places I would love to go that I've never been. I've never been to D.C. I'd like to go. I'm a history buff. I'm a history major. That's what I did. I have graduate degrees in history. I've never been to D.C. I'd love to go to D.C. 
Library of Congress? Oh my goodness, that'd be awesome. Just drop me off there. Go have fun. Sit and smell the books. I'd love to go to D.C. I'm not going to go without a guide. You crazy? I'm not going to D.C. without someone who knows how to get around D.C. I've never been to New York City. I really don't want to. I have no desire whatsoever to go to... There are parts of... Like, if you could teleport to that part and then out and teleport to that part and out, I would love to. I'd love to see certain things in, in New York City. I'm not going without a guide. Hey, we're going to park here. We stay here. We go here. This is how we get from here to here. This is how we get from here to here. I, I'd love to, I would love to go to the Holy Land. I would love to go to the Holy Land. I'm not going to go without a guide. What a beautiful thing that God says, I want to get you. I want you to go from here to here. And I'm giving you a guide. Watch out, there's lots of guides out there. There's a lot of guides out there. Some of the hot words within this section take you back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The way it uses words like no and crafty or wise dealings. It's as almost as if the writer of the prologue says, have Adam and Eve and the two trees in the back of your mind. Remember how that went? Where God presented, here's life. Here's life on your own terms. Choose life. And then a guide showed up. And what did the guide say? Take that way. Take that way. But where does that path always lead? To a failed life. Verse 7, real important. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of the journey. So if we were to put a starting step, no matter where you are in life, on wisdom, it's what we call fear of the Lord. And it's hyphenated for a reason. It's what we call a bound phrase. You can't take a part out of it and then understand what the whole is. It's kind of like butterfly. Well, it's kind of like butter and a fly, and you put it together and you get butterfly. That's not true at all, is it? If I took the parts, if I took fear out, and okay, what's fear? And if I took Lord out, and you know, what's Lord? And if I put those together, that helps me understand what fear of the Lord is. That's not the case at all. We're going to spend all of next week grasping this first step of the journey. What is fear of the Lord? What does it mean to live in the presence of God? To the word picture, breathe God in every step of the day. I'm in God's presence. I am in God's presence. This is one of those foundational ideas on the back of your notes. That wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. This is the map of the book of Proverbs. This is the map, in essence, of your life. I had the honor of doing uh, the funeral for Mo's mom this week. A woman who lived to flourishing. She made my job easy. 
all of your lives will conform to one aspect of this picture. Because these are the destinations. It's a life that flourishes. It's a life that fails. Make my job easy. Let's get back to what Proverbs would say is Eden. A lot of the times uh, within our faith tradition, Christianity, we have purely an eschatological look of things. It's all about something that's to come. A hope of what's to come after this life. Proverbs is about this life. Proverbs doesn't talk about going to heaven. Proverbs doesn't talk about going to hell. Proverbs doesn't talk about, Proverbs talks about the practical things that I bump into today. How do I pay my bills? How do I love my spouse? How do I raise my kids? How do I keep my trap shut when she ticks me off? Not my she, your she. My she, mm. Proverbs 31. It's practical. It's today's stuff. And so in some essence, that can be really frustrating. But it's about today. It's about flourishing today. And you've heard me say this. It's not about your best life now. It is about a blessed life now. So where, where I would like us to start just this week, on your card and in your message guide and your notes, there's a prayer for wisdom. A prayer for wisdom. If you, could you take that out and, and look at it on the bottom? The book of James, which is in essence the book of Proverbs for the New Testament. It's Proverbs through the wisdom of Jesus, recorded by his brother. Day-to-day -day stuff. This is how you talk. This is how you live. Don't do this. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? Ask for it. What if this week, when you wake up and when you go to bed, you prayed this. Not just for yourself, but for your family, for your fellowship. Could you imagine the transformation? Can you have a vision of our fellowship if all of us learned how to live the flourishing life and did it? Where all of our marriages took a step forward towards wisdom flourishing. All of our parenting took a step forward on wisdom flourishing. All of our walks with God took a step forward on wisdom flourishing. Fine, you name it, you pick the area. Could you imagine what our community would be like if we all got a little bit closer to this? So let's, let's do what the book says. Let's, let's ask. Let's ask. Let me read it for you. This is on the bottom of the card. These are from Ephesians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul praying over one of the churches that he helped start. May the Father of glory give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That flourishing life. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That flourishing life. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power 
towards us who believe. That grace that moves us towards the flourishing life. We'll talk about habits later in the series. But let's just first receive this as a gift. God did not leave you. God did not abandon you. God did not forsake you. He says, wherever you find yourself, let's walk this way. Why don't we stand and let's read this and pray over one another together. Artists, You have it on your card. I'm going to read it off the screen as we pray for us. May the Father of glory give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which he's called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Great Father God, the giver of wisdom, shower us with wisdom. Help us to discern, give us hearts that are disciplined to follow to hear the words of our fathers and our mothers, of the saints who have gone ahead, to hear the words of Proverbs. Put a hunger in our hearts for this vision of life, the abundant life Jesus invites us into, the kind of life where others around say, wow, that's different and I want it. The kind of life that's unexpected amongst all the pain and the suffering. A life that's overflowing with your love and your grace. Father God, by the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, may your wisdom shower over your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.